show of everything Star Wars brought to you by Twist My Arm Network. My name is Josh. I am your forever host and friend and creator of the TMA Network. You can find us on Facebook just by searching Twist My Arm or you can go to www.twistmyarm.net and see all of the things we have to offer there. Quest Me goes live on Tuesdays around 8, between 8 and 8 30 Mountain Standard Time. And you can find us on Twitter at QuestMeTMA. This season, of course, we are talking all about the new Star Wars series, Andor. It's on Disney+. Plus. If you have Disney+, Plus, definitely check it out. If you liked Rogue One, definitely check it out. Thank you all for joining us tonight. I do see some people in the live chat, so thank you. If you are there, say hello, and I will say hello back. Um... Of course, before we get into the episode, episode 10 of Andor, it's called One Way Out, I do need to introduce my lovely co-host and real-life superhero. His name is Justin. <laughs> How are you today, sir? <laughs> I'm amazing. First off, that intro video, on point. <laughs> that was great. That was awesome. You know, you gave me shit last week about your uh, your intro, so I wanted to make sure that <laughs> you had a good spotlight this week, and that you know it was your, just your uh, was good. It was uh, fo- it was photoshopped very well. Thank you. <laughs> it was actually outlined around my figure all the way around. I, I credit you. Thank. You. Hey, man. You know, I you can't credit me. You gotta you gotta credit Canva. If anyone out there is looking for some easy Photoshop, go to Canva.com because that's probably the easiest way to do that stuff but i'm, gl- I'm glad you liked it because Thanks. yeah i definitely did you know it was is awesome it's, it's have you been big... man how's 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 the week been uh the week's been uh, uh really good i wouldn't say anything exciting but you know being a married married man with a kid like no no news is really good news yeah 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 that makes sense I wouldn't know anything about that, but I'm glad you know, you that you're having they a, know a little a good bit time. About it. But either way, <laughs> I am glad that things are good over there in Justin Land. Thank you, thank you. Over there in Colorado. Oh, you guys Beautiful got some snow this, this last week, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I woke up to snow today. I, and here's the thing. I, I was motherfucking myself. I was like, oh, I'll do the dog do tomorrow. It's it's a beautiful day. It's, there's no way it's going to snow. And then I woke up to frost and then, like, snow accumulation. We got, like, probably, like, three inches. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then, of course, being Colorado, but, like, it, it everything it's melts gone. away by 2 o'clock. Yep. 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 Oh, man. I do miss Colorado sometimes, especially for that reason. The the snowing at overnight, it snows, and then by the time it's 2 in the afternoon, it's just gone. Yeah. I do miss that. but. Wonderful. But I'm glad you've had a good week, and I'm so excited to have you here to talk about this latest episode of Andor. Oh, yes. Again, we can't go too much farther, though, because we do have another special guest. Ooh. He is a big friend of the show, the network, honestly. he uh, He's our local brown coat, I guess you could say. His name is Steve, also known as Sincera. How are you today, my friend? Doing pretty good. Welcome to sudden. I'm welcome to open. Welcome to greet. Uh, uh, what shit? Uh, we are on. Welcome to Quest Me. Quest Me. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a bunch of things going on, and you know, in in our corner of the podcasting universe, I guess. But I've actually been really been? I've been really happy with the fact that I now work 
mostly by myself. And so I just listen to you guys kind of like on, on loop. I need to, I need to catch up on, on this season of quest me, but I mean, I got constant green shirt, uh, cheap seat, open pike, sudden, butt, just like just rolling through the years. I actually have to, I've to listen like a... to one headphone at a time because I keep running out of battery. So my left one will die and I'll, I'll swap it out and I'll put on my right one. But that's funny. There's a, there's a weird like circle of friends that that the TMA network has. Of course, we have the Sudden but Inevitable and Quest Me and Marvel Cannon Madness and the Twist My Arm podcast and Best Flicks with Ricky D. But then we're also like good friends with the Green Shirt podcast and like we had the the Weird Owl podcast and the Cheap Seat Review podcast. Like all these other dudes. It's a, it's a great circle of friends, and I'm um, I'm glad that you are in that circle and here with us tonight i do need to expand it a little bit because I, I have pretty much you guys and then there's my friend who does a history loves company podcast and like the tone changes and like as it as it goes to the next episode I'm like oh oh this is real life not <laughs> <laughs> this isn't some fantasy thing <laughs> i have to be serious now so right well so i have two questions because i always ask the guests two questions well, not always. Last week was a little different, but we're going to go back to our two-question format, and the first question is, Steve, what got you into Star Wars? Ooh. I mean, I saw the original trilogy on VHS, so, I mean, who didn't? Oh. A lot of people didn't, actually. I did. But us in our 30s <laughs> and beyond. <laughs> I, I think it was just always around. Um my my fa everyone in my family had it had the uh, the three the three cassette three cassette through vhs box cassette, and, yeah. and it came out and then i remember it was funny because i was also at that age where we i was going to movie theaters with the family when it came out on the special edition and so of course when that happened it's like oh we're going to see a new star wars film and i'm sitting there in the theater like i've seen this why is <laughs> In the theater, I didn't I had no concept of what was going on as to what it was. It was I'd never heard of a re-release. I think that happened when I was maybe. Oh, when, when was the special edition re-release? It was it 90s? was right before episode one, so it was ninety eight. Okay, they came out in ninety eight, right before because episode one came out in ninety nine. They released the VHS, and then they had that like theatrical re-release. I think see, see, that was. I think Star Wars is one of the first. Re-releases, yeah, yeah, yeah. Re I, that's the only. I never I, heard of one. Exactly. So I was, I was, in, I was my, I was preteen, at least, and that was I. It, I had no concept of why. I thought we were. I honestly thought we were seeing a new Star Wars film, and and just oh. and yeah, <laughs> or it, I think I actually thought it was the new Star Wars film, and we were gonna. And then the it said Episode Four again. I'm like, that's not new. Some, I've someone, seen already. someone did the wrong reel. Yeah. So, um, and. God, I'm trying. Now that we talk about it, I was trying to think of any other re-releases. Like I know Avatar has re-released a few times, and I'm pretty sure that's just to that's just keep 3D. their top spot. Mm -hmm. Well, but but they're trying to keep their top spot on like the most grossing film, uh, highest grossing film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. highest grossing James film. James Cameron. Yeah, just... because it, it, they re-released Avatar after Force Awakens came out and just smashed all the box office records. James Cameron was like, "Yeah, let's let's get our numbers back up a little bit." I stopped so paying I, attention to those after a long time. I don't honestly, I haven't given a shit about the gross. I have not, yeah, I haven't given a shit about the gross um, that a movie makes 
after Serenity because that movie is amazing and it didn't it didn't make its money back at the box office. I think it has now by sure, including DVD the... DVDs and resurgence and whatnot. But when right. I when I learned that that it did not make back its budget in its in its main theatrical run, I'm like I don't care anymore. Good movies, right. bad movies. You're, that's a that's a good point yeah. to bring up because because you said Serenity and Serenity is actually the movie of the old TV show Firefly, which fans of that show are technically considered brown coats, and that's kind of how you got involved with TMA because you were watching Sudden but Inevitable when we were reviewing Firefly. So there's a little bit of a uh, history there. And that, that was just uh, a Twitter accident. I stumbled onto you guys and then I think you had that's, half that's Jesse for yeah, you. I think you had half the episodes mm-hmm. done. I started listening and and then uh some shuffle thing happened and I listened to the Serenity episode like, "Oh, it's over." And then I found I found the remaining 5 later on. I'm like, "Yay!" Yeah, and then I started firing tweets at each other and here we are. And, and the rest is history. Yep. And it's great to have you joining us on a Star Wars podcast. That's you For know, the second of... or third time, right? Uh, second, I think. I, think I did. Second, I did. Boba, I did Boba Fett last season. So. Uh, yep. Yep. Just like uh, Scar from a couple episodes ago. And on on the <laughs> Boba Fett, I joined on an episode that was. Eh. I mean, it was the end of the. I think it was the end of his flashbacks, and then you know the next episode was the return oh, of the Mandalorian. Oh yeah, when it all popped uh, off. Yeah. yeah. So I'm yeah. really happy to be on this episode. Of Andor. Yeah. It, I was just going to say, at least you got a good... It's like the conclusion of the three-part series that yeah. they do. It's it's funny because this whole season we've been talking about how you know the first three episodes was its own story, the next three episodes was its own story, and so on and so forth. And they've actually like adapted that way of making this show. And so the next season is they've broken it up into three-part episodes episodes basically and so each director that they're having come in is doing three episodes and it's a beginning middle and end uh, each, is each that story. confirmed for season two yeah as far as i know it is confirmed um Ooh. i mean i i read a lot of season rumors two. and and things but but andor is season two of andor so, yes okay. andor is supposedly going to be going on for maybe five seasons maybe all right That'd be um, d- depending on, you know, crowd reaction and all that stuff. But so far, it's it's been great. Uh, that my next question, other than what got you into Star Wars, was what have you thought about Andor so far, Steve? Pleasantly surprised. I went into it with low expectations. You know, we had the I wouldn't say poor Boba Fett. We had lack it was lackluster Boba Fett. Um, and then I still think it was great. But I see where you're coming from. I don't, I don't hate it. Like I, I've watched it a second time. But I mean, I, I agree with what even with the man himself, Tamora Morrison said. Like I'm talking too much, and I think we we could have had a better we could have had a better series with that. But this has been this is different. This is not. Uh, I was as I was telling you before we started that this is. There's no one villain of this one. There is every single cutthroat imperial, and even and then of course our rebel leaders are kind of villains as well as heroes. And even Cassian has his line. And I like that we're no longer in, 
light Jedi versus dark Jedi territory. We are this is a it's a war film. It's a war series, just, and just like Rogue One was. Yeah, it's the nitty gritty of the rebellion and and the Empire and and like not not everything is uh, roses. You know what I mean? You, you you don't. It's not Jedi and Sith like you were saying. It's there's a lot of backstory that that's in that's incorporated into the rebellion versus the Empire and. And the show has been doing a great job with that. Yeah, it's a, it's seeing a lot of the small intricacies in the smaller relationships that go into the formation of a real rebellion. Well, and kind of just showing like why people actually join the rebellion, why there was a rebellion, because you know it's showing the empire tightening their grip on everything. I also I was so I went into it with also with low expectations because it because it is a prequel and ever since the prequels not even just because they were poorly received films but because you go into that and who's there it's obi-wan anakin the emperor these characters that we all know and we have to watch three films with them and we know they're all going to live yoda and so it's you know qui-gon well he's probably going to die um <laughs> this and everyone who we don't know is like they're they're expendable whereas this one we know when cassian dies we know he has to make it to the end of the series, but he's the only one. Like it, it's it would be the same thing I said about when they were talking about the the other Game of Thrones prequel, which would have been like the the Roberts Rebellion. I don't know if if mm-hmm. your fan base is up on that, but they were talking about showing you know younger Eddard Stark and young King Robert and all these people. I'm like they're all gonna live. Game of Thrones is about killing main characters left and right, so when if that show had ever seen the light of day it's like all right you're dead you're dead you're dead you're dead you're dead and i already know that the fun is gone whereas andor i don't think we have that problem i mean i i think we we talked about that at the very beginning of this season um and 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 we talked about it in obi-wan too about like these prequel series like we know who's gonna die we know who's gonna live but this show in particular, Andor, has done a really good job of being like, well, Andor is really the only one. Mon Mothma, I guess. Andor and Mon Mothma are the only two characters that you know for a fact are going to live on past this season and, and the next season and stuff like that. Um, but they've done a good job with making us fall in love with characters that are very much expendable. And yet that's also beautiful because Mon Mothma, we may know, survives but we don't know enough about her aside from there's of course the the book canon and whatnot and we don't know what's true what's not but we're we're just in this episode we're just getting into the things that she is going to have to sacrifice the things that happen to her character that we know nothing about she may live but she may not be she has to get to the person that we see in the movies that we don't even know so that i I, that that doesn't count as a as a prequel um, she character might live, shield. but parts of her actual character will die. Exactly, and that see you if you, when you when you can do something like that, just fine with me. It's it's the same thing going on over at Open Pike Night, award winning podcast. Whereas um, we, we we know the fate of Captain Pike, but we had so, exactly. we had so little of him in the original series. We had so <laughs> we had and his crew. Yeah. I mean, it was and they're doing a great job mm-hmm. with Strange New Worlds because I've same sort of concept like we know that that pike gets wrecked yeah you know but but we don't know what happens to the rest of his crew i mean spock of course spock like, chapel it's I mean. it's really the journey of a to b 
to mm-hmm. really see the uh, enjoyment of what goes on. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And that, yeah. that when you can do that with a show, even though it's a prequel, if you can pull that off, the prequel rules, the prequel stigma does not apply. Right. Correct. It has it has been great. Um, and I'm super stoked to talk about this episode, which by the way, is called One Way Out, which has a one huge significance. Way out. This is the one way out. The way out. And yeah, so before we get too far into it, let me read uh, my little synopsis that I made because Justin Thank you. loves my synopsis, so <laughs> I decided to write one. So here we go. This is it! Time for a good old-fashioned prison break. Elsewhere, we see Luthen's new mole, and Mon Mothma heads to Westeros to make a Game of Thronesian deal that could change the course of her life and the lives of her family forever. I'm glad that you brought up Game of Thrones because in my synopsis, clearly I brought up Game of Thrones. That was not planned. <laughs> those of you listening in podcast land, no, I, I give that one. Uh, I give that one a seven out of ten. <laughs> like I can't see it scrolling down or anything, or actually scrolling up, but like it was good enough towards the end. It, it saved it. <laughs> I guess we're gonna have to start doing uh, in in later seasons. We're gonna have to start having Justin rate my synopses because that's that's fun. Anyway, this this episode was directed by Toby Haynes, who directed the last two episodes. It was written by Bo Willerman and Tony Gil- Gilroy. Um, the final two episodes are directed and written by Tony Gilroy. So just like Mandalorian and stuff, the showrunner is taking control of the good episodes, which is fine with me because Tony Gilroy did all the Rogue One. He's basically put this whole show together and he's done a fantastic job with it. So I've definitely so. seen his name in blue with a star background. So yep. yeah, he's, he's the showrunner. It's like Deborah Chow was Deborah Cho was the showrunner for Obi-Wan. Um, but I think they had a couple different directors for certain episodes. Same there was an executive producer. Right. Uh, Boba Fett, Robert Rodriguez was the showrunner, but they had, you know, uh, Howard, Bryce Dallas Howard was a director, Deborah Cho was a director, like Dave Filoni, like John Favreau. They have all sorts of different directors come in, but they have one main showrunner that helps develop the whole story. So that in Andor is Tony Gilroy. And I pff, he's great. I've loved everything that he's done for Star Wars so far. So um, Before we break I out do... of this sorry, before we break out yes. of this prison, um well, I want to segue back to Boba Fett just one last time. Have you guys seen the pitch meeting guy and the and the Boba Fett pitch meeting? Maybe I know what you're talking yeah. about the the pitch meeting. It's podcast is or the YouTube like the, the, the guy who's really talking funny. to himself. Yeah, it's the the segue between the the all the Boba Fett arc and then when Mando reappears, it's it's just a wait what. <laughs> And it's exactly what I'm gonna have to, it's exactly gonna have to check that out because because I bet I bet that's pretty. Funny. It was those those pitch meeting YouTubes are hilarious. So um, is capitalizing on the how Boba Fett was really Mando 2.5, pretty much. There yeah. you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this whole episode is basically just a prison break. There's. There's other things that happen around it. Um, we get some Mon Mothma. We get some Luthen. We get one scene of Imperials, basically. We get no um, Cyril. No Cyril. No, no Cyril. Figus, or his mother in this episode, <laughs> which I'm okay with that. I'm kind of annoyed with his mother at this point. Like, I just want her to go away now. Um, but just like 
Last episode, I think we didn't get any Luthen, I believe. Um, yeah. So they're, they're kind of keeping that trend where, like, in each episode, one character gets kind of pushed to the wayside, and we get to see all the development from everybody else. Um, one of the biggest things in this one was Mon Mothma and her meeting Davo. Davo, whatever his name is. Last episode, we kind of made predictions about who Davo would be. Davo, Davo. I, w- I keep I keep wanting to call him Davo Sweeney, but I know that's not right. I keep thinking Davo Davo Stavros, but Stavros yeah, is something else. I can't I can't remember. I got the IMDb up right now, but either way, um, this this scene, he was not some character that we've seen before. He wasn't any person that was referenced to any other like legends character or anything like that. He was just a new guy. Um, the ginger. It was. Uh, the guy that Mon Moth was talking to about the banking accounts and stuff the, like the that. Mo- oh. the, the mob money the dealer. Yeah, the, the thug bank. Yeah, the one, that, the one that he doesn't want to, or the one that she doesn't want to deal with. Or if she does, and she we, wants to pay him, and he doesn't want payment. He wants a favor. Oh, no. He wants something else, which is... He wants that Don this is such an, shit. This is such an interesting arc in Star Wars. I mean, you, first of all, you don't really hear much about marriage or, you know, families in Star Wars. You know, there's there's nothing really there. We get we get hints. You know, the Luke's aunt and uncle they were kind of a little bit of a family. You get Han and Leia and Ben, which was kind of a family, kind of. But you haven't heard you um, haven't heard of the like the again we're going to cycle back to it. You haven't heard of the Baratheons or the. Uh... Correct. You haven't heard yes, of the powerful the, the, families in of right, the Star Wars it, universe. It seems like the Mon Mothma family, the the Chandrillian family tree, or whoever runs that planet, um, it seems like they have a very specific way of doing things. And apparently, and this is kind of how I feel. Uh, it's kind of what I think happened to Mon Mothma. Um, Davo basically, he his payment. In, in return to helping Mon Mothma is for his kid to marry her kid. Mm-hmm. It's, like I said in, in the synopsis, it's a Game of Thrones, Westerosi kind of like, you know, we'll, we'll do marry me our kids a favor together. And I'll do and, you a favor. Yeah, We're we'll blood kids now. and they'll be rulers or whatever. Like, what did you guys think about that? Because that's, that's such a new concept to Star Wars. Um, I... I I had a hard time kind of accepting it that I, that there's possible. My question for you is why did you have a hard time accepting it when Just it's like an it's, alien culture? Because it's so new, I guess. To me you know, like and you you have to know that this uh kind of cultures out there where they have these marital traditions. Like we have it here in, in Earth and whatnot in India for the perfect example. Where they marry based upon like how many uh, their Oops. dowry. Yeah, it, I I think it's just because it's new to Star Wars. I, it's yeah, like the I, brothels in the first episode. They were new to Star Wars. They were jarring. How we all know there's titty clubs out there. Of course, but we've never seen them. I think you're also just you're, like we've you're equating it to um you know the first time we heard about fuel in Star Wars was Last Jedi, and it's like oh right, it, but it would be there the whole time. They just yeah. they just never spoke about it, and then right. it be, and then it became a staple. So this is the first introduction to like oh hey like this has probably been happening the entire time, but 
and that's kind of where I'm where I'm at is like how do you feel about bringing that sort of culture into Star Wars because it's such a different feeling you know like I would I would never if I had kids I would never want to marry them off to somebody you know you weren't raised that way though and of course the only other like royalty that we've had actually had contact with in Star Wars that was still an elected position even though she was a queen so it's like we haven't really dealt Star Wars has not been introduced to the bloodline sort of a of a thing yet they've all been elected and or you know killed right. their way to the top like but like Boba like all the oh my gosh what was he called the rulers the, the bounty hunter yeah no but his, what was his title when he took over Jabba's thing he was the oh geez help me out uh, uh, kind of like an emperor sure oh it's it's Boston <laughs> uh, Japanese God I can't remember what that was oh God well I guess we gotta watch it again. Um, but yeah, so it, it, the, the the bloodline succession and marrying the families is never, you're right, it's never been brought up before and they're introducing it. But that's the beauty of Star Wars is that they can just kind of conjure up a new planet or take a planet that we've never been to and just just make things. Like, all right, hey, what does that planet sound like? Sounds like a place where they would they would have arranged marriage. Cool. No one, anybody heard of this planet before? Nope. No one, no one to argue with us? Cool. Make it. Right. It's just... To me, it's it's interesting. It's different. It's jarring as a Star Wars fan that has grown up with Star Wars, like never seeing that before. To have an arranged marriage, you know, I I never suspected that that would be a thing in the Star Wars galaxy. Again, Justin, like you were saying, of course there's going to be something like that because there's so many different planets. Mm-hmm. But like like I said, we've never seen it before. So to me, it's just like. Ugh. It's all it's a, based it, upon it hits different a little bit cultures. Harder. It hits a little bit harder to me um, because I I I don't maybe, like arranged marriages. <laughs> maybe this is Star Wars grab at the Indian culture. Maybe not, and it's just trying to display different cultures of the universe, which I I truly believe I think that I think it's more of just having different cultures involved and just showing that Star Wars is more than Jedi and Sith and more than good versus bad. Mm-hmm. There's intricate underlying things that happen I, I took it a step further is i don't think we're actually seeing culture for the first time i think we're seeing more rich people in star wars for the first time we, we, we saw padme and her rich lifestyle but that was that was but she was a noble rich person exactly but so this is this is the new like we, we've grown up with this is what the, the scrappy poor people are doing to fight the emperor right and we see right the Imperials in their crisp uniforms. We've never, rarely, have we seen what everyone else is doing, like what the Senate, because the Senate was abolished in the first like half an hour of A New Hope, if you think about it. That's true. And then in, on the Death Star, he, yeah. the Emperor, they basically say that the Emperor took complete control. And we never really saw anybody from that world until they showed up in the rebellion, in which case they were on the run or living in the fleet. We never saw their riches. We never like rogue one doesn't touch on it. Um, yeah, really the prequels barely touch on it. And, but still for the most part, we spent our time on Tatooine and, and with the, with the, with Coruscant and, and Padme and it was a bubble. And so now we're seeing what other people are doing with their money and credits and power and, and it is you're right it is jarring but it is it's always been there we just never had it featured 
Right. Which is cool. It's cool to introduce new things. And th- this show has been really good about introducing <coughs> new lifestyles and just kind of new everything to Star Wars. So well, I, I, I love it. But at the same time, personally, I'm like, ugh, ugh, of course. And this is, this is why Mon Mothma is so unhappy in her life, I think, because she was probably in an arranged marriage. Bingo. And she doesn't want anything to do with that and so when this Dabo guy brings up well I'll help you out if you get into an arranged marriage with my son and your daughter that's why she gets so triggered that was in her face and voice when that happened for sure right it it feels like like, it feels like she was a big political component of anti um, arranged marriages at least that's how it feels to me within the show Thanks, Roy. I'll turn my audio up. There it is. I hope it's better now. Um, Roy says, is that the one and only Sincero? Welcome back, friend. Good to see you guys. Thanks for hanging out, Roy and Roy. That, there's two Roys in our chat right now. That's incredible. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, it's it's really cool. Like Just to basically round this whole thing out, it's really cool to see different cultures and to see different ways that Star Wars is... It runs, you know. Um, but really, we don't see much of Mon Mothma in this episode other than her meeting with Davo and her denying his his request. Um, Anybody got any predictions did, about Mon Mothma towards the end of the series, season, at least? I I think I think she's going to agree to this arranged marriage, and that's what's going to split her family apart. Okay. That yep. her daughter is going to hate her now. Her husband is going to be like, why did you do this and leave her? And she's just going to kind of be left picking up the pieces. Justin? I completely agree. Oh, okay. Completely agree with that. I was I was thinking she was going to have this guy killed. And then that would be like the detachment of her soul. And then she would become, she's like, all right, I'm, I'm technically a killer now. And so it's time to, time to redeem myself by, openly joining the rebellion I, I like that too like um, she's gonna give up her her wealth technically when she joins yeah. the rebellion so I, I think she's gonna I, she's gonna find a way to, to force herself to give it up and that would be i know i'm you, you want an arranged marriage with my daughter i know i'm gonna save her from that i'm gonna kill you and i can't be a fan i can't mm. be a mother anymore because i'm a killer and then she's gonna we're gonna that's where we're gonna find her dang i like that a lot actually i mean I can sort of refute that because <laughs> in Rogue One, she talks about taking this uh, Bodhi, the, the pilot, to the Senate to testify. So at that mm. point in time in Rogue One, she's still in cahoots, I guess you could say, with the Senate. Mm. Well, she's got to be in with the Senate, though. She has to play that facade. Yes, yeah, so she, she, she's, she's not an open rebel, though. Yeah, that well, I mean, not until after Rogue One. Because yeah. I think I think yeah. at, at Rogue One is where it technically kicks it's, off. So no, you, right. I could be wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm totally okay. I think, okay with I think being anything. Wrong. I think you're right. Anything leading up to Rogue One, she's putting on that facade. She's pretending to be part of the Senate. She's pretending to be, you know, involved with everything. Well, she's but... trying. Like the, I think was it this episode? Like she was there in the Senate, and everyone was like talking over her. Last and episode. Okay. Last, Last episode yeah. when yeah. they started turning their lights off right. and like not listening to what she was saying i think she's she's trying and it's it's a facade to pretend to be like like she says to her sister right where it's 
pretend to be the rich girl for a little bit so everyone remembers oh, who you are. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, no, no. But yeah, I think she. Roy F says, I don't see Mon killing anyone, but I do see her discovering a new way to move her family fortune from the bank. Um, and that's that's the that's, that's also the good, that's the bright side if if it happens. That would be the the best possible outcome, I think. Maybe meeting up with Hondor, and or Hondor. Hondo Naka. <laughs> that yeah. would be great. It would be so fun. We know he, we know um, he's around. Right, and he's all those rebels are around. I, I would not be surprised if we saw someone from the rebel show. If we saw Hera or even like Ezra or someone, if they brought someone Ooh. into live action from that show to kind of further the Ahsoka and Mandover show. That's, that's my whole point about Thrawn. I, I think last episode, maybe the episode before, I talked about how I think Thrawn is going to show up in this just because Luthen is a fine arts dealer and Thrawn is a big art fan. Um, I could see him showing up, and the only reason they would do it is just to test the live-action presence of Thrawn to see how it works out. Like, it wouldn't be a predominant scene. It would be, like, an after credit scene or just a really small scene Subtle. that just kind of pops up. Yeah. But you know who like else it, has money right now? Lando. Lando always has money. Yeah. So, but, and he's, uh, his money is just small enough to not be noticed by the Empire. Right, and yeah. it'd be great to see Donald Glover play Lando again. Yes, it would. Come into Andor. But it'd be cool yeah. if Mon found another, like, that's the way that she gets her money out, is through is, through the small is, mining operation. Hmm. Is Lando still a, a showrunner? What do you mean? Game, or, uh, no, I remember Donald Glover? No, 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 no. They had Lando in the, the front run of uh, Star Wars shows. Oh, I think is, Lando's is still coming still out. Yeah, I'm, so I'm pretty sure it, it might be delayed or something, but I'm pretty sure it's still on the slate yeah. to come out. They, they may use this as a, a little teaser into it. Or what I truly think is they're going to drop the... Uh, it's more of a, a deep uh, Easter egg, but uh, they'll say Fulcrum. Mm. They'll mention Fulcrum, oh, and then yeah, that's yeah. the teaser into uh, Ahsoka. Yeah, because we haven't seen, um, oh god, so many people. Who's who's Leia's uh, adopted dad, Senator Organa? Senator Organa. We haven't Organa, seen, yeah, we yeah. haven't seen him in the series, have we? Not yet. Yeah, so he could. But it's possible we will. He could be another source of money, as well. I, that's probably that's probably much more likely because he was just filming, and they probably just I, yeah. yep. Yep, and Alderaan had had a big part in the rebellion as well. Probably, so it's, it's possible. They probably blew yeah. it up for other reasons besides just like, oh, maybe Leia will tell us where the thing is. Like, no, like their money is right. fueling like, this no, thing. No, I'm really sick of this bail guy. He's such a dick. Let's just get rid of him. Oh, okay. I, was, I thought you were being serious. Like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really and truly, just to kind of round this out, the the Mon Mothma scenes are very few and far between in this episode. Um, we get we get some things with Mon and, and talking to the to Davo. We get a little tiny bit of the Imperials. We get a good scene with Luthen at the very end of this. But the main part of this story is the prison break. Do you want to get into that which, scene with Luthen before we go full prison break? I I think I want to go into Luthen later because okay. because we each have um, some of our some of our segments 
have to deal with Luthen. So um, I know that uh, my one chimer this week is a big Luthen one chimer. So then carry on. Yeah, I, I just I I wanted to talk a lot about this this prison break, and then we'll get into that Luthen scene afterwards. Um, but basically, the beginning of this episode, you start out with Kino, Andy Circus, and Andor um, having a bit of a argument in the hallway where their their Olaf died, whatever his name is. Um, and I just wanted to bring up. First of all, the dialogue is great. They they do a wonderful job with with executing what they're saying. But this particular scene in the beginning, I couldn't help but laugh because it was so <laughs> over dramatic. Like think, if you go back and what? watch the scene. No, I'm telling no. you. If you go if you go back no, and watch the no, scene. No, this, no. this first interaction with Andor and Kino where Kino <laughs> runs up and he and he says you know, it, it ha- or Andor, Andor says it has to be tomorrow, and Kino's like, what plan do you have? And then he, like, runs up to Andor, and they get in, like, a bit of a slap fight with each other. It was I a really good set this. of dialogue, but a really interesting way to play it out, I guess I'm saying. Because it seemed to me like, like it looked like Kino was trying to throw Andor against the wall, but then Andor just gave him a bear hug, and it was just a really awkward scene you guys didn't see that no you didn't see how weird no. that was no I, I, no you're you're smoking man there there's nothing might awkward be, about this first scene oh yeah i, I was I'm gonna <laughs> have to i'm gonna have to bring it up but go go on steve i was appreciating say? that at the end of last episode it ended on like that not cliffhanger but it ended with him turning not turning but um coming to the he accepted what did i write down here he gave in to Cassian and told him how many guards were on the like he'd shift, but then in, right. in the beginning of this episode, he still hadn't convinced himself. Yeah, and, yeah. And he has oh, okay. he has those he has that brief moment where like, wait, is it like is this a good idea? It seemed like a good idea when my friend died, but now I'm starting to I'm starting to think it all through. And then he thinks it all through, and he has that big moment of no one is getting out. Right. So. Actually, I think before no one is getting out, I kind of I'm, I might have forgotten the rest of your awkward scene because that was so good. So it's just it's just right in this in this part right here where they're talking to each other, and and they're having this this little bit of dialogue. Let me let me bring up the closed caption because I don't want to play the audio, but here it comes where he he runs to this side and then he puts his hand up and then he runs back to andor and it's like he's gonna throw him against the wall like this the whole way that they acted this out to me was just kind of right here where it's a little bit awkward look, well, look at okay, that so look he's, at a little he's slap just trying fight. to get him into <laughs> position yeah on position no i i get it but Again, it just seemed a little bit awkward. I think he was t- he he, ex- he expected happen. the door to be opening at any second, and if they weren't on program, the whole thing was going to be ruined. And so I think that was that he was he ran up to him not to bear hug him, but to to not throw him against the wall either. He was trying to pull him to next, do that yeah, to do that exactly. Thing. Like, yeah, like I could see he, that. He, just, like he, was, he wasn't listening. Just, get over here, and I yeah. think that that's how it, it it may have been a, a weird blocking moment. Sure, it but, was maybe maybe I was smoking a little bit and i just laughed because i i could have i was imagining myself acting in that scene 
and like having to run all awkwardly and grab somebody and then I don't know. It just to me it seemed funny. Well, Andy Serkis also it was just scene. trying to prove a point. Like none of this matters. No one's looking at us. Here you go. I'll prove it to you now. He's not used yeah. to working without uh, motion capture, so he's like, "Oh, I'm supposed to run like a person." <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Andy. Like if you if you listen to this, I, I, lo- I love I love both styles of acting you do. Yeah, he does. He does a great job. Uh, Either way, I, I love I um, love seeing him in live action. The last few I years. can't swim. <laughs> Right. So Roy brings up, let's see, he says just a little bit ago, ideally Mon Mothma could invest into shipyards of the Mon Calamari, seeing how they use their fleets in the series. She could do it as an investment. That would make sense, and I would love to see the it's, planet of Mon Calamari. That'd be, she, that'd be cool. She donates to charitable occupations or whatever she's Right. Saying. That investment sounds like a trap. It's a trap! <laughs> <laughs> Roy also says the prison break showed us Snoke in pre-dark side mode. Oh god. <laughs> it, you know, that's funny. It makes sense. Um I I do want to while we're on the topic of Andy Circus and Snoke and Gollum and all that, like can we just have an appreciation moment for Andy Circus and how good of a job he did in this episode? Every single one of his little monologues or speeches were incredible. Um, when he's talking, like when he's giving the speech to everyone to break out of the prison, I it kind of it brought some a little bit of mistiness to my eyes. It brings you know, a lot was, of passion. Yes, and it was I don't know it was it was so different for Star Wars, you know the the. The dialogue again, again, eight episodes into this series, we're talking about the dialogue, but it's just so wonderful. It's so believable. Um, the way that these actors deliver these monologues is so—I don't know, man. Sometimes it's gut wrenching. It just—it brings out all the feelings. Do you, do you kind of get? Do you get that same same feeling, Steve? Oh, do, I do. You, do you feel the same way about this dialogue in this? And I appreciated that. The, his big speech, I'd rather die trying to take them down than die giving them what they want, was something that he heard from Andor earlier. And that, and that tracks, like, you, you, heard a, you heard a cool thing, and it's like, he, at the time, he didn't actually know what to say. Andor had to say, your words are what matter. Tell them what to do. You do this every day. And then he's like, uh, uh, and he started with the thing that he heard earlier, and then that opened his, that opened himself, it opened him up, what he was actually feeling. But he needed that, that push. He needed that help, that dialogue help. But he needed, he needed someone else's right. words to find his own. And it was such a pump up dialogue oh, too. Yeah. If I was in prison and I heard that dude talking over the intercom, I would absolutely be rioting. I mean, um, not at it, first. He just... was so timid at first. Yeah. Until like Indoor chipped in and started chirping at him. He's like, "All right, here's oh, yeah. my balls. This is how I do it." <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I'm Andy Circus. I'm freaking Snoke. Here we go. Now I'm, um, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure if I agree with that. If I would be rioting right away because the cells in this prison are nicer than any squad bay or barracks I ever lived in, and I'm like, that's that ain't half bad. You got food that comes out of the wall, like, and, and, and there's plenty of room in the rack, like that you can sleep on. I'm good. Yeah, they. They but do have a no good porn. amount of space in those little things. 
What if they had like a little drawer and it was just a nudie mag or something? I don't know. Have man. you ever been in jail, Justin? I've been in jail, not prison. Okay, okay. Yeah. County. Okay. Those were to me it seemed like to me it seemed like this was a county jail just with a food tube. <laughs> seemed like it seemed like a nice if if that was a hotel instead of a prison or like a it that almost it looked like what they sleep on in, in lower decks. Like but you know with in their little like the, the wall oh. the wall the wall racks that they're constantly you know, showing. I'm not gonna lie to you, I still haven't seen lower decks. Oh that's a, you should if you're if you're if you're on with the trek then you should be watching don't lower decks. don't tell jesse because i <laughs> lower decks is hilarious it's hilarious editors know I've, this was I've not removed <laughs> jesse now knows he probably does <laughs> you're not wrong um so let's just talk about this prison oh hang on we because... got a second night to roy roy i'm making cider too. oh yes Yes, uh, Roy's got to get back to his car, boys, making cider and mead. Tonight is rack night. Oh, you're making mead? I want some mead. Send me some mead, bud. May the force be with you as well, Roy. Thank you. I will see you in Galaxy of Heroes. Well, briefly, kind of. I don't know. I don't really pay attention to that game anymore, but I'm there. Later. It was good to see you, though. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Um, Let's talk about this, this whole prison break. Um, again, this is the bulk of the episode. Um, you go from basically Andy Serkis not wanting to do the to do the thing, and then completely agreeing to do the thing, and then them making a plan really quickly, um, which ended up being a pretty cool plan. Justin, what did you think about the whole, I guess, escape plan that they had? Well, Andy Circus uh, was all aboard on it after uh, Andor convinced him. He's like, "All right, well, it took some convincing, this, a little, a little bit." But then he's like, "Well, if I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die now." Right. But overall, like the the plan to execute, like they had it down. Like, oh, it, and it was so simplistic. It was like, "All right, when the lift comes down halfway, we're gonna jam it, and then that's our time to attack and try to infiltrate." Like they had it down to the the moment, and it was so easy and simplistic. They just had to get the other forty nine people or whatever they had behind them to uh, really execute the plan. Cassian had definitely been talking to some folks behind the scenes that we just didn't oh, see. Yeah. And then it, I think when he brought in, when Kino finally agreed, it was also a symbol of everyone else kind of agreed to the plan as well. But there were there were three or four that were aware of what he was doing in the in the bathroom and then and they had knowledge of also like what the they were going to do with the lift well i think i think they because at the beginning of this episode it it took andor a little bit of convincing to get kino on board um but as soon as he got on board i i feel like they started planning like there's been some week jumps and day jumps and month jumps in this show and I feel like Andor's probably been in this prison for four to five months now. At least. And has had a lot of time to examine what's going on, to see how they run things. And that that knowledge gives him the ability to create this plan, but he had to get Kino on board for first. And it that was the whole beginning of this episode, was getting him on board. And what? then I think once... Wasn't it... Like once they, once the Imperials basically 
told them, get in your cell and don't worry about anything that's happening. Like, everything is hunky-dory. I think that's basically when Andy Serkis was like, oh, hell no. Like, we're going to do this. We're going to break out, and we're going to make a plan. And then as soon as that happened, it took a few more days to make this plan. Do you think that the Empire was running this jail under the circumstances that the leaders were quote-unquote trained to run the the lesser subordinates well i think that the emperor runs on fear he rules on fear and the fact that they have these electrical floors gives the prisoners enough fear to fall in line even Uh, if there's 50 guards to 5,000 inmates okay so i i think it was just more of kind of a, a brainwashing scenario wow i'll wipe you guys all out if you mess with me right and then they would take those prisoners even though they were supposed to be released they would take the prisoners and send them to a different area and that's what started this whole riot basically was you know they all found out that they're never getting out of this prison they're just going to get transferred to a different pod and honestly it's probably like this that that uh circumstance probably happened before where someone found out and then they and they killed an entire floor but this is the first time that the sign language network was able to get it to our guys right it, <laughs> the happen- body language? Yeah. it probably happens all the time and oh absolutely yeah. but yeah. they finally again like you said the those two guys that talk to each other actually were able to communicate and let everybody know what was happening and so that's what got these guys to kind of stand up for themselves also do you, do you um, guys actually is is the empire actually running this prison or is it is it a corporation oh yeah okay I, oh no it's, it's the empire for sure uh, it could be contracted yeah because I, I didn't see I imperial uniforms with like the little or isb or anything like that it seemed like they no, were they, right I, I never did either yeah now of course it, it, did get sent there by an imperial court system that's true but it okay so they have to be connected somehow it could be like the american jail system where it's like it's all there's contracted. certain prisons that are contracted out or whatever but they still work for the same company because that's what i've been enjoying the most is seeing that the empire has just has its fingers it's not everyone is imperial so to speak but empire has its fingers in every corporation and there's corporations right. everywhere like so like disney basically uh, <laughs> But I mean, um, but uh, <laughs> this episode just got cut off. <laughs> forgive me. Who's um, who's the guy who got fired? Who's living with his mom? Cyril. Cyril. Figgis. Cyril. What? He's not an imperial. He's a. He was a. He worked for the security bureau of that planet. Uh, the, the whatever planet, planet yeah. it was. So like, yeah. they are not imperial, but they are controlled but by they imperial still influence. Answered, they still answered to the Empire. Well, it's an Empire. But the Empire hadn't taken over that planet until yeah, the, the, yeah. the yeah. big yeah. thing Fuck happened. Up. The Alliance ain't yeah. got the manpower to enforce the peace on every planet, so they hire out to local firms whose payroll right. rests here once a month. Right. Um, so Again, this this prison break, just so much is happening, right? It, and I'm going to do a quick rundown of everything that basically happens in this, this breakout. Do it. So they use water to break the entire system. Uh, brilliant, water. by the way. No, they, they, they broke the, the water pipe, and then they got them to hit the electrical floors, and that 
surge from the See, water and the that, electrical basically shut not, down the entire plant. That did not make sense to me. Why? How, how one guy was in water and they made like an effort to show the scene. The one guy was in water and he got fried. Uh-huh. Mm-mm. While that no one else was on the floor at all. It was on the tables. Like, why show that so, scene? Why? Look at it like, like if you have... Let's say you have a, a line, right? Like you have a, a room here, and the electrical current starts right here and then moves towards the end of the line. Yeah. So oh, I see what you're saying works. because you had Kino that was over here, and you had this guy that was over here. This guy was caught in the actual electrical current, but when that electrical current hit, it also hit all the water, which then short-circuited everything else, oh. which stopped that current. It stopped that current from flowing t- from this side to this side to hit key. All right, all right. So yeah. it, it broke down the entire machine, basically. That, I that's you. how I looked at it. I, I see where you're coming from because it was kind of weird that the one guy gets shocked and killed, and then they show Kino on the floor, and he's just fine. But I'm pretty sure that that would be because of the current moving from one side of the room to the other gets stopped by the water, and then it just short circuits everything. He thought he was gonna die. Um, you see his face. He thought he was. He thought yeah. he was done. And then like, oh, oh hey, cool. Four. I'm alive. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But speaking oh. of people that died, Kmar Alan Tudyk died, which kind of makes me sad. He get he gets shot. Um, and or blasting everyone is badass. He doesn't give yeah. a shit. He just wants to get out. And he's he's ready to just take on the entire empire at this point. Um, the the speech that Andy Circus gives is top uh, notch. Um, like well, we, the we, beginning we of it was a little, but, if, but he finished it so strong. Absolutely, he found his um, he found his voice in the middle of the of the speech. I I know that we'll probably get shut down for like doing this but i did pull the entire speech um i i kind of just want to play a little bit of it and we can just kind of discuss it right like if you pause it right now so here's andor and he's like kino is basically getting ready to give this speech and andor's like you give this these kind of speeches every single day what is holding you back right and and i think Kino kind of grows his balls a little bit and then he's finally like, all right, let's let's do this. See, he just his voice is shaky and he just has it behind him. He's so nervous because he's he's so used to being like a manager of the fucking Imperials that he's not ready to to manage the rebellion. Here we go. He, he's but Andor saying right there, is that all you got? And then Keenan's like, all right, all right, all right, I'll show you. You want to see me? And it's so like heartfelt. It's gut wrenching. This this thing is like fuck yes. Oh. And it's like he's just 
proving to the prisoners like here's why we're gonna get out right and and before we get cut off on youtube i, I, I gotta stop it but like that whole scene like we got a brief glimpse of Disney. of how that goes right there but it's like man he goes on for another at least minute and a half and that speech is one of the best not only speeches but pieces of dialogue in all of star wars when he was would you guys that, agree yeah when he was giving that speech my brain immediately went to uh 12th night which is some are some are born great some mm. i i forget the whole the preamble but some have greatness thrust upon them and i feel like that's what he, that's what he was riffing on when when yeah. when he did that but yeah i wrote that down i know what you're talking about yeah. and i have i cannot remember where it's but from but so, some some are born sure great some are made great some have greatness thrust upon them and this whole situation with the prisoners was like hey just if you're ready to break out or not now's the time like figure right. figure it out and that's why he said you know when he says if you see someone lost help them like we're we're all we're all in this together <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, he starts the chant of one way out. This is the one way and I out. I think I think that's one where I out. that's where I really started getting the feels, you know, where where he starts chanting it and then the entire prison starts chanting it. And then even when he stops talking into the the intercom, he's still just like one way out. Yeah, he's, well, he's it, shouting as he's yelling. It, yeah. Or shout, it's like watching uh, the Gladiator movie. Gladiator when they mm. just start chanting and you're like oh yeah here's the battle cry let's go yeah, like, he man. does it's... such a good uh good uh job crowd work yeah i am spartacus again i i cannot exactly i'm spartacus <laughs> i can't speak highly enough about the dialogue and and the way that they suck you into this show um i really can't wait like <clears throat> we have jesse coming on next week and I cannot wait to see his thoughts on this. What's up, future he's, Jesse? He's yeah, right. He's a Star Trek fan through and through, and Star Trek has always had, you know, better dialogue. They've had better scientific things. They they work things out it's a little not bit better. Like, it's exactly and uh, Josh, we, Star we, we, Wars we call has, that techno babble. There you go. So Star Trek has always had that techno babble, where Star Wars has always been more about the spectacle. You know the the big explosions the sweet new weapons and all that stuff we haven't really seen much of good dialogue in star wars but andor has has brought the heat when it comes to that and i'm really yep. excited to, to get his his opinion on this whole thing just just because he's such a, a trekkie you know i believe our friend sean um, over at cheap seat reviews actually he posted a thing today or yesterday about how star wars has had good short memorable lines of dialogue that have stuck with us forever whereas star trek has had i think the one or the two like live long and prosper needs of the many there haven't, there haven't been that many like repeatable lines of dialogue from star trek whereas star wars has all the t-shirt all the all the quotes yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, one the chimers quotes. the one chimers yeah, yeah, yeah welcome yeah. to our next segment haha <laughs> <laughs> Um, but but this this show is breaking that mold, you know. That, that's kind of where I'm where I'm getting is that this is it's much more thought provoking, like Justin was saying. Whereas Strange New more... Worlds is getting into more space pirates and and correct fun laser battles. So you know, yeah, they're, we're... they're switching sides a little bit, and I'm I'm for it. I'm I'm here for Give it. Give me the crossover. 
It is yes. very interesting. They are switching sides a, a little bit. A little I, bit. Star I, Trek is getting a little more spectacle. I didn't notice more... that until you said it. They're it's... going for maybe a different crowd basis. Yeah. I mean, people and... unlike just, Jesse. Yeah. People they're bringing more, like more people in. They're, they're trying to get more <laughs> people involved in their property. Um, and, and a lot more of the, the younger people, you know, and and with that spectacle, like like Discovery was huge on that. Yeah, they had really good graphics, really, really fun battle scenes, all that stuff. And that's that's what hooked me. into. I that. was going to say, like, Star Trek has had battle scenes before, but but Discovery had the first like big full on. Like that was the two sides meeting somewhere in space and just just hashing it out duking it out yeah yeah that was something else and it's it's been cool to see this flip-flop of of the wars and the trek Mm -hmm. and how they're kind of going in in opposite directions um i did let's see let's see um oh the imperials ha what a bunch of losers man i know that i know that we we go into this a little bit in the segments but man they really kind of pussed out here you know what i'm saying like they uh if 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 they were working for the Imperials and the Emperor wanted some sort of um loyalty, these particular Imperials did not give that. Well, thankfully we know that no one's listening, so therefore <laughs> no one's also probably watching. So when they were doing what they were doing, no one's gonna know. Right. Yeah. I mean and of, um, and of course this uh the when the Emperor hears about oh, there was a prison break, destroy that prison. They'll probably just right. they'll probably just blast it from orbit and I was just never talk about it again. It's I'm curious to see. I'm curious to see what they do with this prison. Yeah, if they just I'm pretty sure it's gonna get it's what? gonna get blown up. Like, I think that's how we're gonna find out that what they are building is part of the Death Star laser. And it's like, hey, let's give that thing a test run. Cool. That'd be cool. Uh, sir, you blew up cool. half the planet with that. Nice. Right. Um. <laughs> the the last particular like heartfelt scene of of the breakout of this episode really was um when they get to the edge of the prison and everyone's jumping out of the side into the ocean and andy circus just screams i can't swim oh that's so what, heartbreaking what yeah i was gonna say what, what are your well, thoughts I mean, on on this he, he he always said he he was gonna die the whole time and then he gets to the end, and he, he was acting. He he was sort of surprised. He's like, "I, I I'm get, I'm on the out, but I don't know what to do. I can't swim." I think he's just. I, I think he's out of the show. Like he's done shooting, and so they needed a way to write him out. Either he either he's drowned off screen, or he never jumps because you don't see him jump. <sighs> and I think I think Andy Serkis is just busy, and therefore that was how they do it. And we we might see him still in the prison. Which that would be really sad, so I don't want to see that. Um, but yeah, I think they just because at the end you see Andor running away with his one guy, mm-hmm. and I mean, just, yeah, we don't see it, Kino. It, it is a good way to be uh, a good write off, uh, so to speak, but I really want to see him later. I, I do too, and so I, I hope that he, I, I think they just they're saving him for season two or somewhere down the line, yeah. but he, I think he is out of this season. And that's why they they because he Andor went to go help him, and then he was part of the wave that just that was jumping out, and so of course they got separated, and he he's has his companion, and he's gonna go start the rebellion elsewhere. And... No, no, uh, his companion. 
I think he they mentioned a, a name in this episode, and I, I and I watched uh, Rogue One today just after this episode, and I I want to say it's Mishtek or Mishtek, and he's in the final uh, battle on Scarif. I, I think glad. this is yeah. just a, a coincidence, or maybe it's an a, a legit observation, but that's just what I've. I'm glad you checked I'm that because really... I wanted to, and I and I didn't have the time to go check that. But I figured I figured he so had to be somewhere. I did. So I did check that, and uh, oh, I actually you. got I got the specifics. This is what I was telling you about earlier, Justin. Um, his name is actually Melshi. Melshi, thank and, you. Close, close. And that guy was one of the sergeants during the Rogue One raid on Scarif. Ah, oh, yeah. There he is. Yep. So, so the guy that ends up being with Andor at the end is actually the guy that kind of helps lead the Scarif um, infiltration. Well, now it's we know funny. he's not dead either, right? Well, I mean, it's yeah, one prequels. Guy, but yeah, but that's that. I'm so glad you brought that up because what a cool, fun fact, and it's the same yeah. actor too. And you didn't, we didn't, so we didn't notice. We didn't notice the entire it, time either. Like, right. I, I thought it was just something that I connected today, but all right. Awesome. You're doing great, dude. You're doing great. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm kind of a little sad now because I, I texted Justin before the show even started and I was like, hey, man, I got this really cool Rogue One connection. Oh, that was it? All those guesses. Oh, <laughs> yes. I'm so glad. That was totally it. Yeah. I was close um, with the name. I had an M. I had the M-I yep, or yep, M-E. Yep. Melshi or Mel Melshi? I, I don't know how to pronounce it, but yeah, Melshi is, is what I'm going with. <laughs> and again, same actor, same guy. He's in Rogue One. Sweet connection to that. Um, and it's cool to see that one of the prisoners that was with Andor is actually in the rebellion. And why well, he follows uh, him from here on out. Like, you are our yeah. guy. So, yeah, I figured yeah. a lot of prisoners would be all down. They're like, oh, this, this system is bullshit. Let's try to fight it. Oh. Here's a guy who knows people. Right. And uh, I, I'm i guessing that most of the people escaping from the prison are going to be part of the rebellion. Yep. A good chunk. Uh, I bet or, or they're going to get hunted down. Right. But I, the reason I kind of think that is the color scheme of these prisoners. If you look at it, it's oh, orange and white. Just like the rebellion hmm. was orange and white it's the same exact color scheme basically so i i think there could be some sort of connection of like oh man we're we're gonna remember where we came from by using the colors that we were imprisoned to which is which is a fun fun thing to think about um, that is an interesting connection so as far as the prison break goes was there anything else that you guys wanted to cover with that, I, I think I think we went through most things, but uh, let's start with Steve. Did you have any other notes on the prison break? I just I remember when you asked me, you have a segment about who's the favorite new character, which I, I didn't choose to do, but I thought the I thought the new guy, the new man, new man on the floor was, and he joined the oh, he, yeah. he joined the prison break and then died. <laughs> like, well, could you imagine being that guy yeah. getting brought into prison on your first day, and then everyone just starting to riot <laughs> and breaking out like, "Oh shit, this is what we're doing." Okay, cool. I'm, I'm actually I'm generally surprised that they even like he 
join the fight for a second. I thought he was honestly just going to go, wait, what? Oh, shit. <laughs> and that would have been, that would have been much more sad. So I'm glad they, I'm glad he decided to jump into the fight okay. as fast as he could. But yeah, he, yeah. he, he would have been, I thought he would have been fun to not die. Cause he could have, cause they were, remember how they were, when Andor came in, they were asking him about what he knew. And I thought it would have been funny if, if he was the guy that actually knew a bunch of stuff. It was like, well, oh, yeah. everyone protect this guy. He knows all this stuff that, that we needed to know earlier. He's and like, then He's like the rain man of prisoners. Yeah. And he's like 12 on floor three, 14 on floor four. Like... Or just, or just uh, you know, he didn't. What, what was the thing that Andor didn't know about? The uh, prolonging of sentences or something. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. It, the, it, the... It, I wish we had heard at least something from him about like, oh, yeah, that's totally going on. Or, or this, or the rebellion's kicking off. Or, or I wish he had given some information to the prison breakers, because Andor hasn't spoken to everybody. It would have been nice to have seen if he also knew where they can meet other rebel contacts. Like I, like I just, right. I just came from. Where where'd you come from? <laughs> I came from. Um, I just came from Dantooine. Dantooine. Thank you. Like, we got... <laughs> I do. I get that reference. <laughs> I understood I, yeah, that reference. I was I was hoping that he was he was one of like he could have made the connection so that later on those who are not with Andor also have a doorway to the rebellion. But yeah. but he's but he's dead and that's fun. Other other someone else on another floor, obviously. I was gonna saw. say there, there's other people yeah. that like even this guy that Andor escapes with, um he he could be from somewhere that knows somebody that Andor has... is not the only rebel. That's the beauty of this whole show. And and of course, cycling back to rebels was that they were one faction and there were several others throughout the galaxy. And so if we don't see these guys again, they're probably in another rebel sect. So right. it takes a long time for them to get like a rebel government, rebel leadership establishment. Whatever they whatever they end up centralized being. establishment. Yeah. I don't know. Even in Rogue One, they're not they've they've barely gotten it together. No, so, they're on the outs yeah. and they're arguing. Yeah, and that's why the one guy goes to fight and the other ones are still hanging behind. And of course why Saw Guerrera is all pissed off at them for not doing what well, he's pissed off for different reasons, but there's obviously different there is no rebel king. There's no rebel leader. They're all kind of either equal or, or thinking they're the, that they're the top or the you know if if you're an admiral in the rebel rebellion like whatever man i don't really care about you like there's uh that at this point especially there is no leadership until we get for to... the same goal but there's no clear-cut leader that's like an emperor clear-cut thank you of, that's right. what i was going for yeah. so, and i think that's kind of mon mothma's story yeah she's gonna her... get to, she's gonna get to that becoming that leader um justin did you have any other notes about this prison break that you wanted to bring up um i just thought one of the the last shots did you guys ever play the 90s game lemmings yes yeah i just thought Hell like yes. the last shot of the prison break was they're just uh, gonna start like a lemming shot and they're just arm like, in arm and throwing people across they didn't care what was going on they're just happy to keep on walking and fall off Oh man, what a fun reference that is! I haven't thought of Lemmings in a long time. That's just my only thought of, uh, about the rest of the episode. Hey man, that's 
That's a good. That's a good thought because it's like barrel of monkeys where they all link arms and just kind of. You're hoping they'd swing each other across the ocean, right? That would work too. <laughs> that's funny. Um, the last part of this episode was Luthen and him meeting up with the Imperial Mole Lonnie. that he has, which yep. to me, job. like that was that was one of the biggest surprises of this episode because that mole was kind of an Imperial dickhead. I called it out from the beginning, man. I said that. Yeah, I said that guy. They made an or a uh, they made an or a a dominant scene to take a look at him. And then when they pan Mm. to a certain character, they mean something. And then I I even called that out on the first council episode when they showed up and he had like some small little corp where the head dude shot him down. I like okay that that's interesting. I didn't. I didn't put that together, but good on you. Say, I appreciate that because my note is when he showed up in civilian gear, I was like, "Who's that?" It took me. Right. It took me a minute, and I think, okay, okay. And, and I appreciate you know because I forgot who he was, and I think I knew he was Deidre's like apprentice. No, I, I had to. Like, I had to pause it. Assistant, but I had to listen to his dialogue when he was like, "Oh, he was just the guy talking, right?" Okay, but I mean, but when I I remembered him from this episode. And I had to, I had to hard think about, oh yeah, he's been, he's been here the whole time, and I do believe that is a credit to his performance, Lonnie. If you're listening, like great performance because I forgot like who you were, and that's exactly what you want a spy to be, infiltrating right. the all-seeing, all-knowing government. Is that yeah? yeah. yeah it, it, the, the the spy is not the guy who's like flash and and noticeable he's he's the guy that is listening when you don't think he's in the room and i think i think we're gonna see a lot more of him but it completely took my surprise because not only did i not see him coming as the spy i forgot that he existed so good for you and he did such a good job like being part of the empire like he, he was the one that was suggesting all the different plans with killing the pilot and and making the imperials go investigate it so it looked more legit you know in in my notes i say i never expected that guy to be a mole he just seemed way too evil but then again at the same time when this guy's talking to luthan you kind of realize that luthan's a little evil as well i mean he's about to send 50 rebels Mm -hmm. into a trap basically and it's all for the greater good. The greater good. Uh, <laughs> you got to lose the battle to win the war. Right. And so it's it's really interesting to see that side of the rebellion. To see the, like, cutthroat, you know, we got to do what we got to do to make this rebellion move. And if we have to sacrifice 50 rebels, then we'll do it. Many Bothans died to bring us this information. Right. Right, you got it. It's like fighting. It's like fighting evil with evil, basically. And it's a very interesting concept. He, to he even powers. mentioned he's fighting the empire the way they would fight, or it's, I'm paraphrasing. But uh, yeah, but you're, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Right. You brought that up. I mean, it's a common uh, theme in Star Wars that the light side and the dark side are not all. They're not uh, perfectly defined. defined. Yeah, they right. There's, I mean, I think becoming the gray Jedi is, is what 
if the ser- if the series is, if this IP ever ends, it's going to end with Gray Jedi. That is how it, I would agree yeah. with that. It's never going to end. But if it ever had a quasi ending and then a ten year hiatus and then more money was made in the future, if we even still have money by the time this thing ends, because I don't think we will. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. It's all going to be trading like tin cans and coffee mugs. <laughs> oh. I, I gladly tell Disney to milk me dry. I love this shit. Milk I me dry. I'm this. a consumer, damn it. Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. Um, are there any other notes that you guys wanted to bring up before we moved on to our segment? I think everything episode? else of mine is a segment. Um, I okay. What is, uh, I think Luthen said, path for which there is no escape in his dialogue. And I think that's a foreshadowing that, I mean, obviously he is not present in the movies that we know. So he is going to, he will make some sort of sacrifice. He's going, he is going to meet his end at some point. Yeah. Um, Justin, were there any other things you wanted to bring up? I'm actually going to call you out. Was there any Easter eggs you noticed in Luthen's shop this time? So I didn't get a lot of time. Oh! I, I did some pausing. Oh! I I did some some looking, but I didn't I didn't really get into it as much as I normally do. What what you got though? I'm I'm excited for this. Oh, nothing. I just go on. Yeah, I, I I didn't find anything. Yeah, no, I there was a couple like helmets that I saw that were a little newer and different, but I couldn't put them to any other like property that would yeah. be. Notice. Easter you know, egg or reference. There, there wasn't a lot of yeah. I mean, we did get to see the, the mortis, hands again, and, and that is absolutely uh, the 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 father, the son, and the daughter. I I, rec- yeah, I know. Well, I recently finished Rebels, and then I saw it. And I'm like, oh well, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the hitter. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna jump out I love of when you doubt me. I'm going to jump out of our episode and just ask, since I, I'm afraid I have not caught up on yours. In the, I believe it was the last episode when uh, the torture scene, when the door closes and the camera hits the. Oh, yeah. Did you guys, I'm oh, assuming yeah. you guys addressed that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a fantastic callback. It looks exactly like when they shut it in New Hope. Correct. Um, or, or even in Empire Strikes Back when they're torturing Han Solo and they shut the door and then the Imperials walk away from it. Yeah. yeah. I was watching this alone, but I was Leonardo DiCaprio. You know, right. doing the <laughs> yeah. right there, right there. <laughs> to, to me and my dog, and I'm I'm sure he understood exactly what I was getting at. I think I could even I could probably even bring up my notes from last week. It's like oh, nice and a new hope right there, but <laughs> the classic uh, yeah, torture pan down. Right, and they, of course, they're gonna pay homage to all the source material, you know, and they they do a great job subtly paying those homages if, show, if any so. show was to truly show star wars torture it would be andor mm-hmm. oh absolutely this is like the most adult show we're ever going to see with star wars I, I think it's also saying it's also showing us the fans like hey the people in charge of this are also fans because we love this shot i don't it, it's there is catering and pandering but i i think this is a different thing i think that's it's I, I think they're showing us like hey we in charge love it as much as you do. The people in charge of us love money. Right. Or we love Star Wars. <laughs> right. And we will do so our they best. They hire to do the that. people 
in charge of you know, yeah, I get it. It's, it's like Dave Filoni and John Favreau. They love Star Wars, and that's why Mandalorian and those shows have been so good. Is because they put their love and effort into something that they've watched for their entire lives. You know, we we love you guys so much. We're gonna tell you how the torture is with the killing of little baby sounds. <laughs> Brutal. I know, right? So that being said. Let's move on. We're going to get into segments. Um, and the first segment that we have for this week is... It is the killer scene. It's the part of the show where we pick our favorite still shot of the episode. So let's start with steve our good friend and guest i don't know if you heard me i was trying to do the uh the sudden but inevitable shot of the show twang (laughs) i should do that for just maybe i'll do that next week for jesse's episode i'll just be a good good callback just to be fun um but yeah let's start with yours it's it comes in at the 30 minute and nine second mark we briefly discussed it but why don't you go ahead and tell us about this i just i found myself laughing at this because these are the smartest guys in the empire because they know like, Oh, we're not like that. We're not going to make it. And we're not going to, we live, we work on the, we work on the prison in the middle of, the, of an ocean. We're not getting a raise anyway. So might as well hide in here and not die. Right. And I love, I love all their, the, the leader of that little group. He's like, no, no, shut up, shut up. Keep your heads down. Quiet. Just shut up. Yeah. It's I I love this scene for sure. And if you didn't pick this one, I was I actually picked four different Sarlacc killer scenes in this one because I figured you guys would have picked one of them. And this was definitely one of those shots. Um so yeah, I'm 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 curious to see how these Imperials get treated in the, in the next episode. If yeah, they, they get kind of shunned they, they just have or to like punch each other and they have a couple bruises and then the other empire will believe it. Okay. Make it look good. Yeah. Exactly. Here, hit me. Hit me right here. Just on a me. side note, I, I kept on here and double there, Josh. Every time you bring up a scene. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just me too. Okay, good. I w- I'm glad I'm not the only one. When I when you when you uh, switch to I will fix that. Yeah. It must be this right here. I'm sure is it good now? Let me see. But Here we go. Now, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Good. Yeah, yeah. The leg so, is good. It'll bleed plenty. We avoid un- any know, unnecessary just, organs. <laughs> the, the, yeah. There's a lot going on over here when you're, when you're producing and hosting and writing and doing all the stuff for the episode. Sometimes I forget to mute some of the sounds. You're so I good, apologize buddy. for that. You're good. But thank you guys for letting me know. You can edit all this out. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Um, so Justin, let's go on to yours. By the way, thank you, Steve. That excellent shot. Again, like I said, if if you didn't pick that one, it was probably going to be my shot. So, the next shot that, again, I I picked. It was a little bit earlier than this, but pretty much the same shot. Justin picked the thirty minute and fifty five second mark. Go ahead and tell us about this shot. This is the zoom out shot of the bird's eye view of the ocean and the prison and the little bit of the, the escaping lemmings from the prison. 
but I, I love this shot. It was beautiful. It shows the intricacies of the prison and what's going on there. And it shows just how many people are fleeing from the prison itself. To me, like, this is just an, an awesome, like, freedom kind of feel. Right. And it is it is a super cool shot. Um, I I picked uh, let me let me bring it up really quick. It was like I said, I, I picked a couple backups just in case. But mine was this one showing oh, all yeah. the people coming directly out. It's just a closer prison. view. Exactly. But I really enjoyed um, your shot. Because of the like, you're seeing it from space basically. Yeah, it's perfect. And you're seeing what is that? Three different areas where there's people jumping out. Which is funny because I didn't realize. Hadn't that. noticed that until just now. Cool. Yeah, you got you got this side right here. There's people coming out. You got this side up here and this side right here. So there's a ton of people breaking out of this prison. Also, hey Josh, go back to your the other alternate shot. Oh. Ah. This one, right? Yeah, here. so I was actually the, the initial shot from Justin. I was like, oh, how many levels are there? Because we always talk about, you know, level five day shift manager and whatnot. And I can't tell if, like, is this supposed to stop at, you know, seven levels or are they, do they just it get, looks like there's eight levels. They just get darker from, and then is there infinite levels? Here. I was, I was thinking, like, right here from the top, you can see eight levels oh, yeah. and they've only really specified level eight and level five. But, yeah. like you said, you'd never know. It, it yeah. could just go farther and farther down. I wonder if there are infinite levels into the darkness. It's very possible. And that would mean that there's infinite numbers of rebels that are about to flow out of this. They have a lot of workers to build that shit. Mm -hmm. Right? I do love the that entire shot. galaxy. It is, a, it is a great shot, that, that upper view. And it looks so much like the Imperial... Uh, what signa? Signia? Insignia. Insignia. Thank you. Jesus. Um, What's the symbology like any... there? Yeah. <laughs> any anytime you see something from the Empire, there's always this weird octagon symbol, right? It's a, that's a septagon. That's seven. Mm -hmm. Is it oh, okay. septagon? My bad. My bad. I know it's hexagon. I, you know, I, I dropped out of high school. Never went to college, so like I try. Okay. I, I don't know either, man. That's like basic geometry. <laughs> I failed that shit. That was my only good math. <laughs> um, I'm a carpenter, yeah, so I need I need to know geometry. Oh, you you gotta have some sort of yeah. I was gonna say geometry, math. Is it a angles and septagon? Stuff. I don't know that. I know what forty five. <laughs> I know what forty five <laughs> and twenty two point five look like. Excellent. Um, but yeah, thank you for that one, Justin. Like I said, you guys picked two shots that I wanted, so I had to settle with my last shot, which came in at the 34 minute and 39 second mark. It is the first scene where um, the Imperial Mole opens the door and you see Luthen standing there on the hallway. Um, this just, to me, further uh, shows how, how awesome the the Coruscant Underground is because this is clearly just hundreds of stories underneath Coruscant and they're meeting on this random bridge. Do we even you know, know if they're there? Like, that's the, that's the other beauty I, of it is that it, we don't know. I, it has to be Coruscant. I would think it's Coruscant. Is that where the, I mean, is that where the ISB is working out of? Uh, I mean, 
isn't everything working out of Coruscant? I don't know. I always thought the the Imperials we've been watching were like, well, I guess it, it makes sense. I thought they were always like on a Star Destroyer somewhere. Mm, and I mean, they never show it. I'm not sure. I just assumed it's Coruscant. I mean, because of yeah. where they were, where he was walking before this scene and the elevator that he gets on well, and stuff like that. Well, from but the then again, in the last episode, Luthen does fly out of Coruscant somewhere else. So they could be meeting on a completely different planet. Which is the beauty of Star Wars. Like, they seem to be able to get anywhere at any time. Right. Um, sort of like Supernatural. I just, Everything is two hours away. I just really liked this this shot with the, you know, when you're watching it, his cloak is like blowing in the wind, and he just looks kind of evil in this point. And you're like, man, is Luthen a good guy or is he a bad guy? Because right now he kind of seems like a bad guy. Where would you put him on the? Uh, that... Man, I put him in gray. Well, there's that too. I mean, the uh, lawful evil, neutral evil. What is that damn thing oh. called? Ooh. Man, I. You gotta establish a baseline. Who's on the the good eat or good good I would side him... and the good or neutral side? I've always thought I of Han Solo put... as uh, as neutral good. Okay, I would I would agree with that. I would say Luthen is probably a neutral evil. Yeah, that's a good call. Because he's still he wants things to work out. Like he wants people to be free. He wants people to live their lives, but he'll also do whatever it takes to get there i also give him he's kind of the polar opposite of um not polar opposite he that would be river of course uh he's <laughs> the rebel version of the operative because okay. he yeah. like he yeah, yeah. he's fighting he's fighting the rebellion but he knows that when the rebellion wins or if it wins that he has no place in the world they create that's that's luthan's arc i think is that he he knows he will never see the paradise I'm not going to live there. I'm a monster. Right. Except, yeah, yeah. yeah. He knows. He knows that he be, he technically belongs in the empire, but based on the things that he does, but he believes he's actually fighting for the righteous cause, which is fitting because most of the empire thinks they're fighting for a righteous cause. So, right. Who who even it's... who even knows? And that's that's I think the beauty of Star Wars and what they're doing now is like we as fans get to choose our side you know we get to choose our favorite characters and and we kind of question our side at this point like i've always since i was a kid i've always been on the skywalker side I've always <laughs> been on the rebel rebellion. scum you know i've always been a rebel scum yeah for sure um <laughs> but i've but i've also kind of leaned towards a bounty hunter i like to be in that neutral area where, where i'll work for both sides never really liked the empire though looking at this show it's kind of like you can you can agree with both sides. You can be like, all right, well, I can see where the Empire is coming from, and I can see the good that they're trying to do, kind of, but I can also see why the Rebellion has to be this evil. You know? Does that, does that make sense? I think, I I think both sides have their, have their drones, technically. Yeah. Which is cool, and and again, Andor has done such a good job of portraying that and showing us that both sides can have their their positives and their negatives. There's and you as a fan just kind of have to choose which side you're on. What this is really good about is showing us all the evils of quote unquote war that happens on both sides. 
especially like this is showing us the the evil of the good side and how it eventually profits it's about mm -hmm. it's horrible means to the end but it it's there eventually i think it's even showing a deeper evil of the empire which is uh the i was talking with josh about this before we started was that we're we're not just seeing the evil plans of Darth Vader and the evil plans of Emperor Palpatine anymore. I called him Emperor Dumbledore. I was like, wait, that's not right. Um, we're, we're, we're seeing the evil plans or the less evil, just cutthroat yuppies that are, they're, they're trying like everyone, everyone in the empire and the ISB, they think like, Oh, the emperor himself will notice me when I complete this task and no one has yet realized that the emperor doesn't give a shit. He wants to be just himself in and control. left alone and in control at the same time. And I think, and I think that correlates to uh, the modern corporate world. And I was actually, Oh, that's a, that's a note that I missed. Um, what's his name? Stavros Davos, whatever the hell the, the criminal's name Davo, was. Davo. Davo Sweeney. He said, <laughs> Uh, a drop of discomfort may be the price of doing business. And that one, that one hit with me because you out there in podcast world, I, I work for Tesla. I'm a, uh, I'm a, I'm a solar, solar punk. Um, and okay. and I, I think, I do think I'm making the world a better place by putting solar panels onto people's homes. But at the same time, my, my CEO will go and do something crazy and people don't like that all the time. And I have to accept that discomfort. Like, I have to also maybe explain to people, like, he does not represent me. I don't really care for him when he does something cool. Cool, man. When you do something stupid, hey, man, that was kind of stupid. I don't, uh, I don't stand for it. I'm not a stan, whatever you want to call it. But uh, you don't drink the Kool Aid. Not really. Uh, You're I, not I, a yes man. No, I, I think he, I think he's got some good ideas. And you know, I, if you want to spend your money on Twitter instead of give me a raise, I mean. Sure. Give but, your uh, workers a raise, Elon. Well, no, I, no, I spoke too soon because he, not he, but I did get one. So they. Them. <laughs> I digress. So the the drop of discomfort is that when when things happen and I and I see people, especially on on Twitter, start mouthing off. It's like, oh, I don't feel the urge to go defend him. I don't feel the urge to get noticed by him so that I can get higher up in Tesla. I'm like. I'm I'm trying to make the world better, and I think there's people in this empire, in this uh, in this world, that are both, and and the rebellion as well. I think there's people that want the emperor to see them and and get their due, and I think there's other people, characters in this empire that truly think they're making the world a better place. And same with the rebellion. I think there's people that want to be in the rebellion for the glory of the rebellion. And I think there's other rebels that truly want to just make the galaxy a better place. And that is, that is how, again, if this if this IP ever ends, that's who's going to be fighting is the people that truly believe in the cause and make it happen. And the people that are just out for themselves and kind of attached to the glory. That's a very uh, realist point of view well and that's the, that's the other beauty of it is that start like people say like oh star wars is not political it's about you know space <laughs> wizards and children it's, like, <laughs> it's both it's always adapted every time a new trilogy has come out and a new ip part of it has come out it's always adapted to the current climate 
both politically and conflict and the con the conflicts of the world. And I think that's yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Like the, you tell stories by what's going on currently, and that's what we're we're doing right now. We're seeing like sure we're seeing the rebellion again, but we're also seeing what people are willing to do in this cutthroat corporate world, and that is the correlation to the modern time. And of course, information is spreading in our world just as fast as it is in this sci-fi world of connectivity. And uh, and if if Open Pike and and uh, Sudden Butt and everybody wants to leave Twitter, let's leave Twitter. Who cares? God damn it, Steve! I wish Jesse could hear that little like, <laughs> monologue because that puts it beautiful. I mean, that, yeah, no, that, was... that that shows the 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 whole spectacle of how Star Wars is trying to go more thought provocative and how I can't I, I dare shan't say it, but. Uh, uh, Star Trek is going the more comical kind of view. Now, see, here's but, the here's the beauty of what. Sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. Oh no, no, you're good. Uh, like I think we need to have a Star Wars in order to get to the beauty that is Star Trek. Oh, I, I've constantly oh. said I, I've said that to people when, when they're like, "Oh, hey, we're like let's let's get to the let's get to the Star Trek utopia." I'm like we need to have a third world war and a eugenics war first. So maybe. Maybe we can find a way to avoid that instead. I, I, I mean, like this. A, a boy can dream, right? I know. <laughs> Star, Star Wars is the prequel to Star Trek, damn it. We don't know what happened in the... Yeah, the... Start... <laughs> it's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Oh, jeez. <laughs> we don't well, know. Those are... I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think I can even elaborate on any of that stuff those were great points that you made so i feel like we should probably just move on to the next segment <laughs> because you kind of the next segment closed off all of all of our points that we could ever have made so let's do that and let's go on to it is the one chimers segment of the episode, the one that Justin actually named, and I'm very proud of. I'm him not clever either. I'm so happy I came <laughs> up with this. That guy is living his best life. Oh, he <laughs> loves it. <laughs> so one chimers is where we we pick out our favorite line of dialogue of the show. We do this on a lot of our Twist My Arm Network shows. Um, this one sometimes we have five second one chimers sometimes we have 30 second one chimers and this episode will definitely show the variation of times that we have so let's start with sincera's steve's his is five three five six burn a firewall around it try the whole level make the epicenter five two too late there's nobody there you shouldn't be here Turn it off. So why did you pick this one chimer, Steve? Well, there was so much in the episode with uh, no one is getting out and I'd rather die trying. And there were so many good quotes that I knew either you, the two of you would pick or, or they. It was low hanging fruit, right? <laughs> they were just, they were the themes of the episode. And so that was another one when, when that I'm watching this episode by myself. And when that happened, I went, <laughs> and to me, that was just, it wasn't anything clever. It wasn't anything quotable. It was just 
the guy was doing the best he could with the situation and then turned around and found a prisoner with a gun. And the best thing he can come up with was, hey, you shouldn't be here. It reminded, it reminded <laughs> me of of uh, Monty Python when they have the whole yeah. the whole moment when right. uh, Lancelot is, is like doing the slow run. And then he finally he catches up and he and he stabs the, the guard and the other guards like, hey, <laughs> Like it's it's the bet it, it was the best he could do in the situation. Like you, hey, no, 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 you're a prisoner. You shouldn't be here, right, guys? He shouldn't be here. <laughs> oh shit! Okay. That's so funny. Yeah, and so that that's that stuck with me. It's like when when you have oh, when you that. when you have a gun in your face, like all like <laughs> right. The think, first yeah. thing you can think of to say is, uh, you're not supposed to be here. He's he's right. It's it is a correct statement. You're not supposed to be there, Kino, but. I just imagine like working in a gas station and someone coming in and putting a gun in my face and going, "You're not supposed to be here, dude." Or that that, that gun is illegal. You can't have that. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. See, the the Monty Python reference hits hard for me because like that's... right when he said that, I'm like, "Oh, that scene was uh, yeah, yeah." He just walked by casually. That's so funny. Yeah, and I love that pick too because it it I did the same thing. I laughed out loud as soon as he said it. I was like, "Ha, <laughs> you moron." <laughs> but excellent pick for the one chimer. Let's move on to Justin's one chimer. It's another short one. It's that's the first untrue thing you've said. It's been a pleasure. Chills. I just, I just like this, uh, this whole scene. There's a lot more before it, but it, it just feels like a, a talk to the dawn or the mafia kind of scene. And this totally. part was his final moment walking away after the entire bullshit of the conversation to being coy. And it was like, wow, that was the first lie you told me. It was really him, like, telling Mon Matha, like, hey, I saw through all this bullshit, and that was the first time you lied to me. Wow. And it just, it was, overall, uh, it hit hard to me, because it was like, wow. He called her out on her bullshit all at once, yet he's like, yeah, okay, let's do this. Right. I, I you know, I'm me. sorry, I meant to put on another, like, five or ten seconds of that one-chimer, because the, the context of it is, it's basically right after he suggests Mon Mothma do an arranged marriage with mm-hmm. her daughter and his son. and Which, which it totally seems that she politically is opposed to. Yep. It's, like I said, it seems like she was in that situation before and she doesn't want to put her daughter in that same situation. So even though, yes. you know, she's... Uh, she's doing what she needs to do for the rebellion. She's also having to, a hypocrite. She's also having to sacrifice her own morals, basically. And that's it, that's the the really cool part about that whole scene. And Steve said it earlier. Like, I'm excited to see if she actually goes through with it because I do believe that she will. She might, and it'll be really interesting for sure. Because her daughter doesn't um, seem to want anything to do with her political world, and then she's gonna be forced. Her, oh, no. her at all. Yeah. Not even her political world, but yeah. just her at all. Like she doesn't want anything to do with her mom. Which I think is is stupid. Well, not stupid. It's um um accurate because as soon as she finds out her mom is a cool rebel, it's like, oh, damn, my mom's been cool this whole time. I didn't. Right. I wish I knew that. Why didn't anyone tell me? 
it'll be really fun to see how that all plays out for sure. Thank you, Justin, for that awesome pick. Um, my one chimer is a little bit longer, as they always are, but it's definitely this. And what do you sacrifice? Calm. Kindness, kinship. Love. I've given up all chance at inner peace. I made my mind a sunless space. I share my dreams with ghosts. What did you sacrifice is the question. And the answer is much longer than what I had put on there for my one chimer. Um, but that first, like, the first couple sentences that Luthen says is just, it's that slap in the face to someone. It's like, it's like when someone tries to question you and you just backhand them right in the face, right? Because, because he's telling this guy, like, yeah, you might be an Imperial and you might be, like, kind of edgy or whatever, but I don't have a life at all. I have sacrificed every single part of my being to make sure that other people, future generations, can live free and can can be a, a part of a civilization, right? And I, again, Skarsgård, this guy, has been my favorite character of this entire show. And anytime that he comes and... and does a monologue or, or has something to say it's always so brilliant like and this was no different right the d the speech goes on for another 30 seconds i think 30 seconds maybe a, a minute longer i almost took the whole thing for my one chimer but <laughs> i had to shorten it a little bit i share and my dreams with ghosts was probably like the that that's was the exactly high what it was i share my dreams with ghosts is the main point of of that whole one chimer because he's He's basically telling you, like, it might not look like I sacrifice a lot, but God damn it. You don't even understand the things that I've had to, to go through to get to this point and to make sure that people can, can maybe live free. And that's, that's why I like that line. You know, that's why I like that one chimer so much, because it's just uh, so it just deep, man. Rips your heart out, you know. You're right. It it grabs that to your your bare your buried soul and it pulls it out and you're like, hey, here here's what I have sacrificed without actually right. answering the question. Right. Right. I, so it's go on, Steve. Sorry. I say I do wonder if since we know that Mon Matha becomes the leader of the rebellion and we don't see Luthen ever again, I constantly wonder if he is found out and given the choice by the emperor or someone higher up of uh you know tell us who everyone is or die mm. and i wonder if that's if that's the thing is that he he chooses i, I mean either way if he chooses not to tell or if he chooses like uh, to to feign ignorance and either ends up in an imperial prison or says no no i've been loyal the whole time look here i'll even sign up and i wonder if he becomes an imperial officer and then has right. to just continue 
like that's his that's his torture is like you you were gonna work for us as our spy right and then just continue doing what exactly what you're doing and then because killing him from the emperor's perspective would be too easy so it's like no you you stay as the rebel leader and you and you direct them where we're where we want them to go or we'll kill your family or or whatever and i think right eventually he will of course expire well i think i think that's why i think thrawn's gonna show up thrawn will be the one to kill luthan to be like you know because thrawn's always been that brilliant mastermind of an imperial and if he were to figure out who axis is then he would give him the choice you know he would he would either tell him give me your information or i'm gonna kill you and that's again why i think because luthan is an art dealer he's uh he's a fine arts collector um that would be the only uh the only tie thing that bring thrawn. Thrawn, yeah the only tie-in that would bring thrawn in but it would be really cool to see that happen and to see luthan be be kind of killed off by a character like thrawn so it would need to happen now because yep. if, if thrawn is going to do the kill stroke he's about to get also spoiler alert thrawn's about to to be taken off the board for, oh, for a period of time and so if he and it would be a perfect segue into ahsoka if they they don't even have to show thrawn himself just like his boot and he hears something voice. just something yeah and it's it's like you said a, a tie-in to ahsoka um Ooh, i, I still so think that that mandoverse and Andor and Obi-Wan, they're all going to have some sort of connection. And the only reason I think that is because Jon Favreau started the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe, and Marvel has always had some sort of tie-in with all their movies. It's always connected somehow. So maybe Let's I'm just see kind it in of... Star Wars! Yeah, maybe I'm just kind of thinking as a fanboy and hoping that that happens. It's going um, to, man. It's going to. But yeah, it would be so super much cool. So. Excellent segments, guys. Let's move on to our final segment of the episode, which is always... The Tuscan Raider, the part of the show where we rate the episode out of 10... Man, I don't even know. 10 what? What, what do we got? 10, 10... 10, 10 starfish. Starfish. There we go. Yeah, 10, 10 starfish. The, what they're, whatever they're making on the, in the prison is the starfish. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Let's start what? with you, Steve. What would you rate this episode out of ten? Uh, Death Starfish. Oh, this one gets a nine. Like this is the best episode of Andor thus far, and I'll I'll give it a nine. Yeah. Okay, that's a good one, Justin. What would you? I'm rate the guest. I can just I can be the wild card. I love it. Uh, I'm in between. I'm, I'm gonna go eight point two five. 8.25. Because I'm, I'm torn in between 8 and 8.5 because it had plot polling points. It was action. There was explosions. Like, it had everything I wanted in a Star Wars episode, but it didn't have the climactic end. So, like, over as a overall arc finisher of an episode, I thought it was wonderful. But I'm just looking that looking for that overall, like, suspenseful climb and drop of a season ending. I I get that. I get that. For sure. Um I would rate it an eight myself. Just because 
like you said, it's it's not the ending of anything. Um, I, I think that I would give this an eight because of the fact that it sets up the last two episodes pretty pretty well. Um, the the supernova that I've been talking about, where Deidre and Luthen and Andor and and Bix and Ven and Mon Mothma, like all those characters are about to hit each other. All of the, all of those stories are about to just basically collide, and we're gonna see the repercussions of this five or six stories coming together. So I would uh, I would I would agree with that. Yeah, you know, I, I would. I, yeah. Is um, is Cyril? Is are they always talking about his father? His uncle. Oh, okay. Do you think his uncle is Thrawn? No. They, Dude, they mentioned I've... his uncle's name in oh, okay. an early episode. Yeah, and because he's got that same I kind still... of stoicness about him. Right. I still kind of want to see who his uncle actually is. I think it's gonna be somebody we know. I hope so. Uh, well, what do you um, remember the name, Justin? I don't. No, I, I don't, but I do know that his mom and him have that conversation and her his mom drops a, a name. Okay. I can't remember it. It didn't sorry. It, it didn't stick out, so I I didn't call it as an Easter egg. Um, I wouldn't say it yeah, stuck out from like any games or any movie references that I can call. All right. Well, that's uh. I think we're getting to the end of the episode. What's the average? What's the average? So. We got nine, um, I'm, eight, I'm five, right I'm, I'm sorry. I'm adding up right now. Um, while I add it up, Steve, why don't you uh give us a little bit of info about you and what you do and how our viewers and listeners can find you? Well, as uh, the last time I was on the show and other times I've been on Sudden Butt, I still don't have. A, I'm not a podcaster. I just this is a fun thing that I like to do on the side when and partake in things that I love, but I build stuff. You can't see at home, but here's my hands. Um, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna go back to building stuff after we're done with this. And but my 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 Etsy shop is full of all kinds of nerdy nonsense. And the next time you're you, when you have Jesse on next week, make sure you point at, at what's behind him. And oh yeah, yeah. I got to make sure to do that for sure. And so, yeah, you find me on Etsy.com slash sin slash shop slash sincere. It's right, right there on the, on the screen. And that'll take you to me. And like I said before, most of the stuff that I is on display is it is for sale, but most people don't want that. They want whatever they want. And I, but there, all that stuff is there to show you what I can do. And I feel like I don't equate myself to John Lennon. I equate myself to, Jack Nicholson's quote about John Lennon from The Departed, and it's like, I'm an artist. You give me a fucking tube, I'll get you something out of it. So, <laughs> you give me, you, you give me, you give me what you want, and I will do my best to bring it to life for you with my hands. So that that that's me, and I, you know, I, I have ideas for podcasts and YouTube channels and whatnot, but I just, I one day I will have the time to do them. The fact that you guys have the time to do them makes me incredibly envious. And I wish that I wish to get there someday. We have to make time to do this. Trust. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, we do. 
Um, but I can attest to Sincera's artwork and, and what he does. Like He's a, a very good artist and, and does a really good job with that. So any of those uh, links, if you want to go check out his, uh, his Etsy page or his Twitter page, they're all going to be in our show notes. So definitely go click on those. Um, this episode was rated in 84% by oh QuestMe. Um, this is one of the higher rated episodes for sure, which very well deserved because it was a really fun episode to watch. Um, I do want to thank everyone that was w- listening to us, watching us in the live chat. We had Roy and Roy, Roy from Marvel Cannon Madness and Roy from Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes in on the chat with us. I know we had a couple other people in there. They're a little shy, though, and they don't like to comment, and that's okay. If you would like to join us for Andor, we have two episodes left. We have episode 11 next week with Jesse, and then we have episode 12 the week after that with our good friend Phil, who also does the Thrawn trilogy with us. Um, but you got two more episodes to join us. We are, we're going to be live on you know next Tuesday and the following Tuesday at around 8. 8.30 Mountain Standard Time um, and you can definitely come hang out with us and tell us what you think about Andor. Like I said, next week we're going to be joined by our good friend and original co-host of Quest Me. I guess kind of the f- one of the original founders of Quest Me. He's Jesse. He's from the Open Pike podcast and it's going to be a ton of fun to see what he thinks about this show. Jesse, um, Jesse uh, opposes everything I think. <laughs> Jesse Pretty much everything everybody thinks. Don't worry. <laughs> it's it's gonna be a great. He's time. good people. I love his opinion. I really do. That's, <laughs> that's why I've been friends with him for almost thirty years, man. Because he keeps me on my toes. So. <laughs> Handsome too. Um, yeah, definitely. So, anyway, for now, again, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for chatting, for joining us on on all of these episodes. So, for quest me, I have been your host. This is this has been Steve with the with sun, with sun but with 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 quit, uh, with open pike uh, uh, with uh, with quest me oh man I can never get it which one of my own and I'm Justin and everybody's doing great on these sign offs for seven episodes <laughs> straight this has been wonderful of course my name is Josh and I have been your host and I will always be your host for the quest me shows may the force be with you. this is the one world. <laughs>